Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Midio Meets podcast where we speak to all sorts of people who work in sound and music. On the show this time we've got Plugin Guru who is a man who's been surrounded by music his whole life. Uh, he grew up playing a number of instruments. He worked in music stores in the early part of his career. He worked at a place called Midi City, which we talked about. And he's got his own software, a software called Unify, which brings together all your VST plugins into one space, unifies them, saves them all as presets. And uh, yeah, it's magic. It really is amazing. You can donate to the podcast if you like. Uh, there are a number of ways you can donate. If you don't want to donate, uh, you can buy some of my products, for example, buy the things I sell. Uh, I do all this stuff completely by myself, all the promotion, all the artwork, all the editing, everything I do by myself. So any support is gratefully received. And uh, let's get on with the show, though. The first question I asked John was about his musical beginnings. Oh, Lordy. Um... My mom was a music teacher, and so I, uh, at, I, at age four, I was in Yamaha Music School having ear training and learning already and appreciating, you know, melody and rhythm. So I can remember a little bit about some of that uh, joy of discovery really young. Um, I remember lots of lessons. I used to, um, all through my teenage years, take uh, electone organ lessons, so like, learning chords and progressions and all sorts of interesting things, playing in band. Uh, started when I was young on trumpet, then I played French horn and I learned piano in the jazz band and I sang in choir, uh, all over the place. So I learned saxophone in a summer one year, went to a summer school and played saxophone in a jazz band. <laughs> Great, man. That's a that's a smorgasbord of, of musical experience yeah, early on. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I was surrounded by music my whole life, so, and very supportive parents, so. What sort of music were your parents into? What were they listening to? What were they surrounding you with music? Well, they were very religious, so they were more on um, that type of, uh, you know, Amy Grant, Keith Green. So you want to go back to Egypt? where it's warm and secure. But I grew up listening to The Police and Elton John and Saga was a huge part of my life, a Canadian band that was very progressive. Um, Peter Gabriel. Um, it was one of these things where because of, you know, I would go to a some sort of a summer school uh, that was church sponsored. and There'd be someone there and get all fired up and go home and like, burn your CDs and cassettes, <laughs> start all over again. So that actually happened a couple times along the way too. So, Great. but yeah, I was, I was open to all types of music and especially I, I kind of focused, enjoyed keyboard oriented, you know, El Benny and the Jets. My first album that I received that I bought, I had to special order the 45 to roughest Chaka Khan's Tell Me Something Good. Mm -hmm. That's like the most badass groove yet ever recorded. It's just the best. Nice, man. I'll have to yeah. check that one out. It's not one I'm familiar with. But Tell um, me something good. Wah, wah. Do, 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 do. Tell me that you like it. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Tell me something good. And then Shaka Khan goes, wow. She just sings it. I mean, guys, that, I wore that record out. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, when I was like in early, I went to a Christian college for my first year and I met a girl in on the other side of the state of Oregon. And so I would drive in this little Dodson B210 from one side of Oregon to the other to see her for a couple of days before I had to come back. And the Dodson B210 I bought in Boise came with a Def Leppard cassette in it. Nice. And that's like the only cassette I had for a long time. I just wore that cassette out playing Pyromania. So... <laughs> You know, I love ACDC, um, Stone Temple Pilots. I love I love everything. There's very little music that I don't connect to and find something to hang on to that I can, you know, enjoy. Certain certain bluegrass styles and stuff are okay, but it's not really my thing. But, you know, 
as a musician that makes sounds for a living, if you limit yourself, then you're really limiting your vocabulary of sounds. So I would, I would encourage everybody to listen to everything because the more you listen to, the more it's going to affect what you do if you, if you make sounds for a living. You, you got to be open to everything. Definitely, man, definitely. Yeah, I think that that is true. Yeah, I think that um, a broad spectrum is good of, of many things, you know. Um, it really helps to, to refine your palate and to, um, yeah, leave your ears open to different things, you know, um, really obscure music as well. Was there any particular instrument that you was re- you really felt was your thing that you could really express yourself and connect to? Oh, piano was first. First and foremost was piano. I used to, <clears throat> we had a really old upright, great big, one of the really deep ones. And I used to sit for hours with the, uh, you'd lift up so you could see the hammers and put it on my head and just play piano for hours and hours and hours. How did you go from like the keyboard, the, the simple piano, keyboard and organ to like synthesizers? Where did that step over? Uh, a, a couple of things. Um, my my parents owned music stores growing up. So uh, I was around all sorts of instruments and they traded in for a mini Moog. And so I had a mini Moog that I brought home and got to play with and program and make sizzling bacon sounds and, you know, play with in that regards. And then the Yamaha DX7 came out and my mom sent the piano technician, a guy named Leon Garrett and me to Portland, Oregon, 300 miles away for the introduction of the DX7. So we went to the Red Lion Inn here in Portland and spent three days with Bo Tomlin. And there's a couple other people with him that taught FM programming. So I learned FM programming straight from the source. So I, to this day, I love FM programming, sound design with FM synthesis. So or phase modulation synthesis, as I've learned it is term, termed by some people. So um, I really cut my teeth with a couple. I've still got my DX7 right over here. It's got lights on it, but there's a DX7 with E <laughs> from 1982. Still here. Oh, still. the, the uh, upgrade. You've got the E card upgrade, yeah? Yeah, Grey Matter. They made this thing called the E that gave you additional banks and all sorts of MIDI capabilities that the DX7 didn't have. You know, separate sam- channel for uh, playing and receiving. And, you know, you could have the the fader do a midi cc number and all sorts of fun things that's so. awesome yeah there's some great modifications for synths now um there's a german guy called yeah. i think it's called tubu tech or tubu tech and he does modifications mm. for like the sh101 for the juno um yeah. yeah he does a really there was a really fat i i modified my juno with one of his things and um my god it, mm. it really expanded that synth to be something really <laughs> incredible my assistant um Taylor, he uh, likes to do the modifications to the like Casio and speak and spells where you can put in different knobs in different places in the parameter chain, audio, stuff whatever like it is. This. And stuff like yeah. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Get stuff to mangle. It was really, really fun. So the story, go- I, I started as a musician in Ontario with my mom and dad's music store and stuff. And after college, I worked for three years in Seattle at a music store and I sold all sorts of gear, Korg, Kurzweil, Akai, uh, Roland at one point. And then I was hired by Korg and moved to Los Angeles in 1988 to be a product specialist. The M1 had come out and the guy that came to visit us in Seattle, his name was Ben. was like, dude, I can't go to all the places that need to be. I, I need someone else on the West Coast to help do these gigs at music stores, make sure that, you know, the M1's hooked up through good speakers and stuff like that. So while I was in Seattle for my customers, I used to make sounds for the synthesizers and then include them when you bought the synthesizer. So I was programming sounds. I'd made a a whole bank for the M1 when it came out um, to give to my customers. So when I moved to Los Angeles and started doing this product specialist gig, they were asking if I had any sounds. And so I sent this card to Japan and it they were like, this is, this is incredible. Let's just use this for the drum card. And so they sent me the drum card. They put all my patches into that and I made combinations and then made the drum maps. And from then on, I was full-time voicing. 
No, it's so fine. I didn't go to the music stores anymore. Instead, I made patches for everything. So that's so um, good. There's some sounds. I made a library called uh, Supermato Drums, and it's got this one map of all these really weird, big, weird sounds. We had an M1 come in that its power supply was going out. And I spent like an hour and a half recording all these broken, <laughs> weird sounds that it was making. It was so fun. And uh, that's those are these really cool drum sounds in this one library for Supermato drums. Nice, so. like really glitchy and... Oh, broken. glitchy, weird, broken. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really into that. There's a granular kit I did for the Korg Oasis that's used to be a program. What was it? Bias Peak that would let you like stretch audio so you could stretch it to be 200% long, and then I'd bring it to 10%, and then back to 200%. And each time you do that, it would break right. a little bit more in unique ways. You know? Nice. Yeah. So. I love stuff like that. So yeah, like that in type of introducing artifacts into it, and yeah. I guess additional yeah. texture and stuff. Personality. <laughs> nice. That's so good, man. I love that you were making custom patches for your customers. Um, it's you know, it's very rare. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we were doing crazy things. This is when MIDI was just early infancy of MIDI. I mean, when I walked into the Evans Music MIDI City store in Seattle. The owner's son, Keith, was playing a Roland JX3P through a guitar amplifier with a Roland AX1 controller wow. doing like rock guitar licks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell yeah, I can work here. <laughs> so it might as well be a flying car to everyone else. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so for, I mean, for three years, I had keys to the store. The MIDI section started out in the middle of the music store and it became so big that they built a whole back presentation area where we had the Kurzweil K250. We had all of the Korg synths. We had all the Kai, the Yamaha stuff. We had DX7 FDs and the, all that. And when the store closed at 9 o'clock, I would just take different synthesizers and put them around the, uh, the 512K Mac Plus and use Mark of the Unicorn uh, Performer and write a song. And about 2 or 3 in the morning, record it to cassette tape, take all the gear, put it back onto the walls around me, set it all up, go home, go to bed, come back, start work at 12 o'clock the next day. And I did that for three years straight. Wow. I mean, you've got... So a, you know, that's, that's where that's I cut incredible. my teeth, you know? Yeah. What's, what an archive of synth. You, you basically yeah. have access to all the latest synths. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's yeah, the superb, man. Kawhi K1 comes in, so I get to play with it. And their little drum machine comes in, which is really cool. I mean, it was... It was a wonderful time. Uh, didn't date girls. <laughs> I had no interest in girls at that time whatsoever. So, you know, it was just all about sound and music. And so I've still got the cassette tapes downstairs from 30 years ago. So Wow, that's pretty a, fun. That's cool, man. That's really, really nice. And amazing also that you had the introduction of learning how to program FM from yes. from the people who's, who were doing it back then. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Bo Tomlin was a friend of mine for many years, and then he got out of programming. He got kind of burned because, you know, his DX7 sounds were in everybody's DX7 without paying him for it, right? So it is like one of the early, you know, boom, you release a library, you think you're going to make some money on it, and you sell three copies, and uh, everybody else gets it for free. Mm. It's like um, Eric tells this story, Eric Persing from Spectrasonics, you know, Heart of Asia best-selling library in china <laughs> sold two copies or something like that you know <laughs> so it, it happens but finally with unify we actually are able to license and protect patches do things so that it's locked until you have a license number to unlock the libraries so i can make a library for any plugin if it's patches are called up in unify we have the choice we can make it unprotected and then it's just files you can but i can also protect my work finally so mm. It's been very nice because I've gone to many eBay sites and <laughs> sent cease and desist letters because every library was available for $15. I guess the only good, the only positive really is that a lot of the times when things are on torrent websites, they tend to be bundled with viruses and other things. So a lot of people are quite cautious <laughs> about using that stuff. Yeah. I have a I have a strange philosophy, though, with 
with the internet and torrenting, though, because to me, it's kind of the circle of life kind of thing. We all start torrenting everything we possibly can. You know, I mean, at one point I, I had illegal software for everything because that's just kind of at the age you just grab it all. And then you get a little bit older, maybe you get married and all of a sudden it's like, I didn't buy this. What am I doing? I, I can afford this now. And so then you become a legit, like, I just want to own my own stuff because then you feel better using something you know you earned the right to use. <clears throat> but when you're young, you kind of go through this this first part of the phase and then you become, you know... Responsible. I mean, I've had a website for 10 years and sold thousands and thousands of libraries. And it's one of those things where, yeah, there are people that will torn it, but there's a whole lot of people that won't. And so I've been able to survive and be full-time making patches since mm. 2009 uh, because there are a lot of honorable, legit people out there that love to pay for... Especially when I do the videos and I show how much it works, how much or how much yeah. work it takes to create this. It's not just something that happens overnight. That takes a while to get it together yeah. and <laughs> set everything in motion and make MIDI files for each of the parts you're hearing. And it's yeah. I just crazy, want to remember, um, uh, just say while I remember that I think there is a talking about DX7 collections of of sounds. I think there is a Brian Eno collection yes. of DX7 sounds somewhere. Um, yeah, with an in, I think it, I think it was in a magazine or something, and um, it shows it's. It, I don't know if it gives you the patches, but it tells you all of the parameters to set to to get these sounds that Brian Eno officially made for a magazine. Right. They're all like re really weird, slow attack, right. Uh, right. evolving sounds. But yeah, yeah, that's just a weird DX7 patch thing that I I seem to remember. Yeah, back in the day, Keyboard Magazine, they used to have a little tiny vinyl pull-out album that would have little demo songs and then they had uh, usually they would have one patch that would be they'd have somebody play a little audio with that patch in this little album and then there'd be a page where they had patch of the magazine and I used to have a little book I've got it somewhere in my storage of you know hundreds of patches that people had put up on different um, this is before the internet so it was just in magazines mm, and stuff like so that amazing. so amazing yeah, it used to be that we did this thing when I worked in Seattle, um, going to high schools and teaching MIDI to call high school kids. And there'd be a whole assembly, the whole class would be there. And we would have a computer system with a mixer and a, a bunch of gear. And we'd have somebody come up and go, hi. And then I'd play uh, Joy Zoo's Desire of Man <laughs> with their voice with a sequence behind me, you know. And um, I had made my own snapshots of the mixer for each song had to be set certain way for all the channels and everything. And it's just like, oh, sometimes I forget something. And so you'd have something really loud yeah. or something. I think sure that is the it. most fun thing that we, you know, whenever anyone samples their voice to have it pitched around up and down on the keyboard, like the first mm -hmm. time you ever hear that with something you've yeah. just said is like the most fun time ever. Yeah. It's just crazy. Oh, and seeing a whole assembly of high school kids, eyes go, you know, is just, Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So it was really, it was really a wonderful music store that had really. I, I did a synthesizer programming class every Thursday night. So if you bought a synthesizer from me, you could come to the synthesizer programming class, teach about oscillators, envelopes, LFOs, how to get the most out of your AX1 or whatever synthesizer you bought. You know, so that's amazing, man. Like that would be such a great service for people to offer now. Um, I've, I've been, there are music store, there are music stores here in England where you can, they occasionally have like a synth expert come and do the Moog demo and they demo the Moog stuff or, or, or stuff like that. But yeah, what you were offering there every Thursday night synth class, like it's brilliant, man. Well, I do a live stream every Saturday. Um, so every Saturday for 90 minutes, I host a live stream on YouTube, where at this point, we're getting up to almost like 1400 people are watching through the course of time of the live stream. Yeah. While we show how to program specific synthesizers, how we do things in Unify. Um, I find free libraries and I have my eye on different, you know, so I'll say, hey, there's this really cool. Here's like uh, a cool one that recently came out was Spitfire Audio Christian. He's got the piano book mm -hmm. series and he just released his what's called the Family Grand, 
where he sampled his piano in his house with like a $15,000 binaural headset from Sennheiser. So it's binaural audio grand piano. And so it's free. You can go download That's it for incredible. free. Yeah, so. I do. I love um, what Spitfire Audio are doing. And um, yeah, Christian does really good, really engaging YouTube videos. Um, yes. I, I do like yeah. his. I've, and I mean, your, your work was recommended to me by, you know, a number of really highly respected and successful producers. So, um, yeah, Wonderful. I think, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed watching your content and uh, seeing the depth that oh, you go into. Yeah, we can get deep. Some I have to be careful because it's very easy to, you know, you ask me a question and I'll I'll go who knows where I'm going to go <laughs> question sometimes. So it happens in a live stream where it's like, how do you do this? And all of a sudden we're like taking MIDI files and having them play animal sounds. So, yeah. you know, it's like Well, you see I mean it seems well, like you. the logical progression for you to go from from pr programming and playing synths to then um yeah, putting out your own software. Yeah. yeah, so you said you started for Korg in 1988. Um, yes. Yeah, and so yeah, how did you go into that sort of, like what made you want to start making your own program or your own software? Um, well, it was survival, actually, <laughs> because I have 40 libraries for Omnisphere. And the first one sold thousands of copies because there was no competition. And... At this point now, a lot of musicians are realizing that there's real money in making content, far more money than there is being an artist. It's so hard to squeeze even a few dollars out of the onion that is the music business. It's just it's sad, really. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, but if you make content, there's all sorts of bedroom producers. A lot of my customers are people that just come home from work and they just want to sit down and have... Something to play, you know, something that makes them feel good, um, something that lets them not have to think about work, mm. you know. And so more and more people are making patches and content. And so Omnisphere Libraries went from being like very few people doing it to where everybody is doing it. Right. Uh, or enough is doing it to where now people are like, well, I'll sell it for $19 and, you know, they make... And, you know, the, depending on where you live and how old you are, what you need to live on is different, mm. right? So what I need to survive is far more than what somebody just starting in the business in a little apartment in some town needs to survive. Yeah, so they're still living with their parents. $19 and you sell, yeah, you sell 19 copies of some, $19 and you sell 100 copies. That's $1,900. That might be more than you make going and working somewhere, yeah. right? So, um, but so it became a lot more competitive and it's like, okay, well, I've made 80 libraries at this point for all sorts of software plugins on my website you can buy. And I make a video, I show something and everybody goes, I'm buying that plugin. <laughs> <laughs> and so all these customers, they buy my $40 library and they go buy a $400 plugin. Right. And it's like, okay, like this, I'm showing what you can do with the BBC Symphony Orchestra and I'm showing how the Discover version you can get for $50, and it's incredible uh, what you get for an orchestra. <clears throat> but the difference between that and their $449 version is really noticeable. Very easy to show someone in, in the video, and everybody goes, oh, I'm buying that. So they're buying a $59 library from me, but they're going to Spitfire Audio and still spending you know $449 for the, the mm -hmm. plugins. But I decided um, I wanted to get into making plugins, and... The real difficult thing is you, you really don't get chances to make mistakes and you can't just make, here's my two oscillator analog synthesizer with, I kind of was inspired by the Roland SH-101 and you, you can't do that and have it be your first synth and have success. Yeah. It's been it's done and you have to get really pretty, pretty deep and have a whole world to work with, right? Um, but... I looked at I looked at our business and I was like, it's 2020. People give away plugins for free all the time. We all have too many plugins. What what do we what would be kind kind of fun? Um, and it was I thought I need a place to play with all the plugins, a place that they can all be loaded. You can layer them. You can stack them. Um, do things that you can't do anywhere else. And so we made Unify. I this it's all fortuitous timing. 
I'm a big believer in speaking what you want and the universe will hear and help put things that will make that happen. Absolutely. And I said, I want to make my own software. And at about that time, I was doing videos on YouTube and the keyboard, a, a big part of doing videos is people seeing the keys that you're playing so that they know what you're playing, mm -hmm. right? Well, Logic had a bug and their keyboard stopped working. So I couldn't use it across the screen so I could... People could see what chords I'm playing and they like to see what's going on. So this programmer from Canada named Shane Dunn, he wrote and said, hey, I see the keyboard broke and I really like to see what keys you're playing. So I made this MIDI effect <laughs> called Show MIDI. And so I started using that. I'm like, can I release that for free on my website? It's like, sure. Wow. So we put the Plugin Guru logo on it. It lets you see all the notes you play. And then, um, you know, it's all just organically happening, mm. right? Um, Airwave introduced a new library for Omnisphere that uses four MIDI CCs to control components of the sound instead of just one. Wow. So you could like change the effects and another one change the filter, another one change uh, weird effects, distortion or something like that. And most people just have a mod wheel, right? And so Shane was like, hey, I made this thing called ModMate that lets you, if you want, you can assign four MIDI CCs and push a little button and now they're all back on your MIDI, on your mod wheel. And so we released that. And those have been successes. And I started talking to him. I was like, well, I really want to make something that lets you play with all of your plugins. And this is about the time the iPad, iOS for iPad had, uh, they developed Audio Unit version 3. And with Audio Unit version 3, when you run, an, uh, say, one of the Moog synths or any synth on the iPad, if it has an Audio Unit version 3 plugin, it registers with the system that this plugin is available. Other applications can now use that plugin. Mm -hmm. And so you can use uh, like a mixer and stack all sorts of different instruments in there. And so we actually designed Unify at first for the iPad. Wow. And it's going to be called Guru Studio. But A, it wasn't powerful enough. And B, we're not fans of giving 30% of our work to Apple for just hosting for <laughs> us. And so we're like, I was like, I wish I could do this on my Mac because the whole idea, you know, plugins, you do Logic uses audio units, Cubase uses VST, you know, the whole the whole idea of one plugin being able to load all of them. I was like, I, I wish that could happen. And Shane's like, oh, I have it already happening. Wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, show me the design of what you want. And so I designed the interface of Unify, but I wanted it to be flow wise. And then he built it. Wow. And... Then we've, for the last two and a half years, been creating and refining it. At this point, it loads VST audio unit, VST3 plugins. You can layer them. Each can have its own key range, its own velocity range. What's really crazy, though, that I'm super proud of is Unify can load itself as a plugin into itself. <laughs> it's a cool plugin to release because it does stuff nothing else can do. Yeah, Which, and what an amazingly fortuitous meeting of this 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 god of programming called It's the Sean. parting of the Red Sea for it to happen the way it's happened. It's it's amazing. It reminds yeah. me a little bit. I used to have an Ensonic uh, keyboard called a TS12. Mm -hmm. And that had, I think it was only two or three layers, but you could layer strings with piano sounds. And mm -hmm. it, it was amazing. It sounded yeah. so good to just put those two together. And, and I think yeah. what you're doing piano with strings Unify is, you know, is magical. Is, yeah, it's really taking that to next level. It's a bit like, what's the, what's the thing they say in Lord of the Rings? Like one ring to rule them all. This is like... What well, Unify that's my is. theory. That's 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 what I call Unify. It's one ring to com combine them. I don't think rule them all because we're not, not monarchy here. But yeah, a, I call it a doggy park for plugins. <laughs> if I want, I I have we've unified ten different plugins, all their factory patches, so you can call it Plasmonic, this cool new synth from Brian Clevenger, and you can combine that with a patch from Zebra from the library for Zebra that I've released in Unify format. All these plugins, any patch that you save, you can load as a layer up to 24 layers 
Each layer is on its own CPU thread, so it works super well with computers to be super powerfully efficient. This is like something that really lets you take your creativity wherever you want without walls or limits. I'm not committed to any specific company, so any plugin you save in a patch can seamlessly load into a layer. And it doesn't matter what plugin it is. We're working on uh, AAX support. So then people using Pro Tools can have access to Unify and the, the VST audio unit worlds as well, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's very liberating to be free of, you know, constraints. I mean, when I push a button on Core Station to load up like this BPM, this one BPM orc patch, and it loads 24 plugins in about five seconds. It still to this day just blows me away that it works, you know? <laughs> yeah, imagine visiting yourself in the music store in the Midi City yeah. when you were working there and say, hey, yeah. in, in, in a few years' time, I'm going to have this thing which can do put it all in a computer, 24 instruments from different companies. Yes. You save the patches yeah. together. You lay them together. <laughs> You're like, you're nuts. What are you talking about, you know? Yeah, so I get. I mean, it's so feature rich. It's so feature rich, and there's so much depth to it that I we yeah. we are really not going to cover like everything that it can do. Um, yeah, because even just watching one or two of your videos, you can see the the thought that's gone into the 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 design of it, the the UI, the user interface. But yeah. essentially, as I understand it, you yeah, you can mix VST plugins, AUs, right. Um, it can be standalone. It can run as a VST itself in your DAW. Yeah, yeah um, I love it as standalone. So you, you don't need to be... Uh, there are a couple of nice things. A, it in standalone, the patches have their own tempo. And then you spin a knob on the macro control. We have real-time controls that let you control any parameter of any plugin. And I it was one called Variations that changes all the MIDI files to be different MIDI files. And next to it's another knob that says Loop or One Shot. So Loop, it just loops. If you set it to one shot, it's a one shot. No, that's incredible. And is is it keys? Is it key? Is it keeping them within a scale within a key as yeah. well? That's, that's well, really it doesn't cool. change the modes. Like if you're playing a minor key, it doesn't like flat the thirds and so forth. We we don't have that intelligence in it at this point, but I'd like to do that at some at some point in the future. We actually have some stabs in that direction where playing different chords, it will recognize and trigger it to play specific MIDI files. Mm, nice. So what, what it's you, getting there. Yeah, that's that will be really cool when you can do that. But like, what you can do inside it is also you've got sort of MIDI, MIDI units yeah. which you can link together with the with the audio, right. can't you? Right. Yeah. MIDI box is what we call our MIDI player, and like this is strings in seven eight, and then we have a pattern knob that if I spin the parameter knob pattern, it changes the MIDI file, and there's five different MIDI files. It could be a hundred MIDI files. It's mm -hmm. super powerfully fun. So yeah, it could do drum grooves. It can do this stuff. Combo combo box, which combo box is like everything. You can audio effects, MIDI effects, and um, instruments all in one plugin for one layer. So you can get to where you have parallel effects, or maybe it takes three different sounds to make the one piano sound you want. Instead of it being three layers of Unify, it can just be one layer if you want. So. Oh, and you can duplicate the, the MIDI. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I, nice. I, we actually created Combo Box because of Jeff Stradling, who's my partner that I worked with on this Discover Station library for the BBC Symphony Orchestra. He wanted to do these things where each octave on the keyboard would play a whole different set of MIDI files. And as you play different notes, it needs to transpose the MIDI files so that it plays in the right register voicing ways. He's an orchestrator. He's worked on major films and he's writes the music for the last 20 plus years for the Golden Globes. Wow. And he's like, I need to be able to like, for this range, transpose the MIDI file down an octave so that it stays in the cello range so it doesn't get to the higher notes. Because we don't do that when we're orchestrating these types of passages. And so we built Combo Box and you open up a combo box in these and there's like eight different MIDI files, MIDI filters, we call them, where you can define the range of keyboard and then transpose that part of the keyboard up or down. So doing that required combo box just to manipulate MIDI data. Like mm. there's no instruments in these combo boxes, but I have other combo boxes to make vocoding super easy. You just 
one channel, you choose what you want to be the sound for the modulator. What sound do you want to be? You could have three sounds if you wanted for it to be like a three synth vocoder. It, it's super easy to set up in combo box. You can do true stereo. This is using a drum groove to power a synth. So it's, and it's, what's really funny is the vocoder is 25 year old MDA. They made these free plugins in the early days of VSTs, the yeah, MDA series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they're public domain now so that you can, like, we include all of those with Unify. But the, oh, nice. The whole design of Unify is it's, we built this structure, we build our own sample player. But the rest of the instruments are public domain synths that you can find and download for free off the internet. And mm. I contacted the guys that made DX, um, OBXD. Yeah, that's a great plugin. I saw your one of your videos yeah. with that in, and um, I just been playing with that last week. It's phenomenal. It's, it's for for a free synthesizer. It's wonderful. Yeah. And so those are the instruments inside of Unify that I use to make the factory. There's 500 patches inside of the factory patch voicing that goes all over the place. And it's using these free plugins. It's kind of like these plugins deserve to be kept in the spotlight because they're, you know, yeah, it's not a $400, $300, $200 plugin, but it's very flexible and sounds yeah. great, especially when you can combine it with other things. So Yeah, and I think it's great what you're doing because there is a bit of like people like to just acquire a new synth, a new synth, there's a new synth out, buy that one. And, and really what you're doing is like adding value to what they've already, people have already got. Yeah. Like expanding yeah. the capabilities of the stuff that you own and yeah, offering things that are for free. VSTs yeah. and free synths. I mean, yeah, that's that's really really great. Got to find I value. Think, I yeah. think going going back to those days of making synth sounds for your customers, you 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 had a, you developed um, a, you know, a really good level of customer service and customer satisfaction and and therefore yeah. customer loyalty. So yes. um, yeah, no, I'm I'm blessed. I you know the number of customers I have that have bought all eighty libraries is just blows my mind. Wow. It really does. It's just, you know, I, I appreciate everybody that's that's a customer of mine because, you know, they're they're bringing a part of me along on their journey. So it's it's an honor. You know, it's really fun. Make great stuff. I don't. I can. Thank I can you. see why they do. Um, Thank you. There is. You do also have a guy called Airwave that works for yes. you. Yes. Yes. Laurent. Sorry. His name's Laurent. Laurent Veronis. He lives in uh, Belgium. Right. I used to have. I've got some of his records. I think yes. from a long time ago. So I recognized yeah. the name. I was like, no way. It's Airwave. I remember it's that Airwave. guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's super talented. He, he thinks outside of the box. Um, the idea of loading Unify as a plugin into itself is something he did for his library. He he made a library for Unify using Serum, only Serum to do complete, full-on techno trance album level productions. I mean, it's here, I heard a bit, I heard a few of it on a few examples on one of your videos. It was phenomenal. It's like hearing like classic records. Yes. And so he's the one that started with the whole Unify into Unify for some of his patches. Because it used to be it was actually calling up the Unify plugin. And we made it now where it does it internally. It's not even looking to the outside plugin. It just, when you call it Unify as a plugin, it's, it's internal. So it doesn't have to have <laughs> the external plugin installed. It's, it's all self-contained now. But he's the one that started that. He did a library for Omnisphere, which is one of the best sellers I've released, where it's just incredible use of Omnisphere. And that was, you know, gosh, almost eight years ago, seven years ago, they released that. Right, yeah. It's, Wonderful it's person. And he's a sweet guy. There, sweet was, guy. there was a couple of examples that you played and they were literally like, I remember the track that it's it's sort of sounding like, but it's, it wasn't like it sounded like it. It was, it was, it was unbelievable production quality. Like, yeah. it was like it's a mastered version of that track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really yeah. Nice. that was probably really some of nice. the multis for one of the early, for Airwave. He's done three volumes for Omnisphere, and uh, they're really, 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 really deep. Yeah. I learn. I've actually sat and studied them at times um, <laughs> to to get ideas because he comes up with ideas. He will 
use some of the bit quantized just a little bit to make like room ambience on a kick. Mm. Instead of it being <laughs> distorted, it's just a little bit to give it like the the sound of like it just air, you know? It's all sorts of cool ideas that's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's loads of weird production tip. I mean, th there's something called a halo that people do where it's like a bit of delay, like a bit uh, like the, a delay of a snare, and they yeah. call it a halo. So they got the snare sound and then the halo after it, which yes. yeah, it was sort of a similar, yeah, similar sort of cool. idea. Yeah, phenomenally, yeah. Uh, phenomenally talented. I mean, you all are. I mean, what sort of how many people are working on Unify? Like, what sort of team have you got? Uh oh, there's. A hand, there's a good handful of different, probably five or six different people working on different libraries. Um, we're working Vitals, a new synth that came out not that long ago. Uh, it's really a free nice. synth that's yeah, got really a really nice unique synth. interface. It's probably the best cutting edge user interface I have seen in a synth. And so I'm working with someone named Saif Samir, who lives in Kuwait. Actually, Baghdad, I think. And he lived in the States for a while. He's a wonderful, super talented person. And so we're working on a library, uh, both for Vital, and then also there'll be a unified component. A guy called Matt made Vital, didn't it? Made it Matt Tyler or something like that? He mm -hmm. also made one called Helm. Matt Titel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, tr tremendously talented. I was playing with Vital only a week or so ago. I was looking at some free yeah. synths for a website. Um to do a write-up yeah. on the best free synths, and Vital was in there, and OBXD yeah. was also in there. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that we, I've, I've been able to prepare and listen to these things that people yeah. are making patches with. It's That's great. Brilliant. It's We have a whole library of just insane. We have probably over 120 patches so far, and now we're going and focusing on what we're going to do inside of Unify. We've got some unique drum kits and stuff like that, but... Um, yeah, and I, I liked your um, the video that you did when you were using uh, Brake Tweaker and, yes. and showing people that you can use your sound libraries with Brake Tweaker patterns. Using Serum Drums from Airwaves Library. Yeah, really. It all works. You can take patches from any library. It's fun. We've got a handful of people now, uh, developers for Zero-G, are converting their some of their contact libraries into unified format. Oh, they wow. have a cinematic library with 900 patches and to be able to right click and layer 12 of those to make a really cool, huge cinematic sound really quickly is really liberating. So, yeah, Zero G did a lot of the classic sample packs. I remember oh. people saying, like, you've got to get Way back this in the Zero day. G one from 1992 because, yeah. you know, yep. they were some real yep. classic stuff. Uh, do you remember the days when samples were on CDs when you could go to the shop yeah. and... <laughs> Yeah, well, I started with selling CD-ROMs of my... Uh, my first library that I released commercially was Skippy's Big Bad Beats, which is a drum loop library that was released through Ilio. And they are now my partner with um, Unify. They distribute to music stores um, to help me get into other places beyond my website. I sell at my website. Uh, if you buy Unify anywhere else, it's through my partner, Ilio. Oh, and so they've been, in, I've been working with them for 30 years, 25, 30 years. So Big Bad Beats, in fact, a friend of mine just sent me a picture of his Big Bad Beat Akai CD-ROM, still in its little case that went into the CD-ROM drive slots. So it's pretty funny. Wow. What did you use to make Big, big Bad Beats? What sort of gear? Oh, lordy. Uh, that's 2000. Um, everything was recorded to a Tascam 3700 DAP machine. And I use Logic, um, all sorts of different plugins and sample uh, hardware instruments as well. And the concept was to make a groove that was a composite of a whole lot of different parts that I could then mute certain parts out to make smaller mixes and breakdowns and stuff like that. So, you know, you've got the whole mix, but then you have smaller variations of that same mix. So you could play in a in a in a song going from one you know, you need the big mix in the chorus, but when you get to the verse, drop all the weird cool stuff just to have a main groove going or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, God, I can't remember the specific names of the plugins. If some version of Contact was around then. Um, I use Absinthe at times. A lot of them were started in Reason yeah. um, as the groove to start 
the, the groove and get something going. And then I would bring that audio file into Logic and then add a whole bunch of stuff to it. All sorts of fun experimental ways to... Yeah, I used to love the redrum in Reason because it was essentially like a hardware sequencer in software. You got your step sequencer and you could like yeah. roll your, your your cursor along it to, to fill up all of the beats. So it's really quick yeah. to just throw things together. You also had like start point automation. You could automate the start point of the yeah. of your hi-hats yeah. just Very to powerful. Like make it yeah, like chip away. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that, man. Yeah, the the redrum was brilliant. I wish I wish there was like a hardware redrum, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've sort of got it actually. I've got a Corgi R1. I've got the early Corgi R1, which is okay. Eight. The Electribes. Yeah, the Electribe. Yeah, the red one. It's, that was like the first piece of gear I ever got, and I still <laughs> I use it to this day as like a sequencer. Um, I even did a fun. funny video where I I used it, made it sequence a synth. Because you can set mm -hmm. the output MIDI notes to be uh, whatever you want, so I put it to a scale and turned it into like oh, a cool. synth sequencer. <laughs> yep, I did similar things in the '80s when Yamaha brought out the DX7. They brought out a drum machine called the RX11, right? Which had pads, and I would set the pads to different notes and then connect it to the DX7, and it you know, it play weird notes, <laughs> but it'd be cool, you know. It'd be like you could like set it to be some sort of it's like. There's a hip hop track that came out that's really big where someone took a drum groove and have it play on the piano. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so it sounds really bad. But all they did is they just duplicated the track and kept it on the default piano when someone went, dude, that's dope. <laughs> so they kept it, you know? So Yeah, I think those, you know, those levels of ingenuity and experimentation are yeah. like what's required. Hey, and those are the made fun bucks, bits, aren't they? On, just plug in on a happy into accident, something else right? and seeing what happens. Happy accidents. Definitely, man. Definitely. Gotta you, have you also you did also release some you've released some a library for Absinthe. Or did you work on Absinthe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, gosh. So Absinthe was one of the first software synths to come out. Um, and I bought it and was blown away. And I made patches for it. And then I emailed Brian and I said, I love your synth. This is incredible. I made all these patches. And there's cool horn, electric piano soft pads he put them all in the factory voicing <laughs> yeah that's brilliant. so i had patches in the first release of absinthe and then um i later they did for around absinthe three they did a volume of patches and native instruments actually hired me to make patches for that library nice man. so i worked on a library for absinthe for native instruments at the time so and then i've been friends with brian and interviewed him through the years and I was happy to do the introduction video for Plasmonic for him because I have the video channel that can get the word out and so forth. And so, you know, he's he's a wonderful person. I've never met him in person yet. You know, like 25, 30 years of friendship and we've never met in person. So someday. Someday it will happen. Someday we will definitely get together. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's phenomenal to have worked and released the factory content for Absinthe. I think for me, some of it. I mean, he had factory content. He just added my stuff at the end, All right. which was cool. <laughs> so I just well, still added more to it. Was, it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the quality was there for him to go put that with my product. It's amazing. <laughs> It's very fun. Yeah, I love I love Absinthe. I think that's what really got me into realizing that software was was also yeah was equally yeah. If, as good as if not better than. Yeah. Well, what's fun? Brian really does um, for both Plasmonic and Absinthe. It was not trying to be a copy of another synth. It was trying to be an original voice that had an original spirit to it, and it really comes across and. You know, Plasmonic is incredible in the physical modeling meets analog synthesis kind of. You can get some sounds out of it that are just really, really cool. And Absinthe, you could get this level of organic warmth. And having a wave shaper after each oscillator gave it all sorts of really cool, interesting sonic territory you could play with. And it still has the most powerful envelopes of any synthesizer ever released. There's, there's not another synthesizer on the planet that has where you can modulate every 
segment of a multi-segment envelope with different parameters in real time. You can like have a slider. I, I made like techno patterns where these points were on this slider and these points were on this slider. So you could like go like this to change the envelope from being an up pulse to being a downbeat pulse. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can go to right now that can do that, you know? So that's cool. Yeah. To this day. I mean, you're right about it being organic. It's sort of, um, even in the way it looked, it was a bit of like, a, it looked a bit alien. It looked like something from another planet had just flown in. Yeah. Um, and then when you could load your own samples into it, that was, that really yeah. was spectacular. You could do sample. like granular. Yeah. Little granular. One thing. sample. It's like Omnisphere. You can have one sample. <laughs> what will you do with your one sample? <laughs> John, uh, John, have you had have you had any like mentors throughout your life for your career? Has there been anyone that's like you look you've looked uh, up to along the way? Oh, a lot of people I've looked up to. Personal involvement. Well, a mentor and a close friend is Jack Hotop, who I've worked with on making probably 30, 25, 20 cork synthesizers. Um, he's been there before me. He started with the DW eight thousand. He's a dear brother, and I've always looked up to him. We're like brothers. Um, my dad, <laughs> of course. He at 80 is installing sound systems in court buildings and uh, government buildings. And he was uh, instrumental in the court systems are going to audio hard disk recording. Mm -hmm. So they don't have somebody typing away. They actually record the audio. And so he worked with a company. I mean, he used to work at my mom's and dad's music store. They had it together. Uh, it went out of business like 15, 25 years ago. I don't know exactly how long ago, but he transferred over into this support and has remodeled, upgraded court buildings throughout the whole Western United States. And uh, just finished, he just finished a job doing the sound for the uh, Idaho State Building where there's 100 senators or whatever wow. they are talking and they each have a microphone and they don't hear themselves from their microphone, but everybody else hears their microphone all the way around in the round. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for what he's doing at 80 to still be doing what he loves to do is pretty cool. Yeah, so. that's no mean feat. Maybe the BBC Symphony Orchestra might be next for him by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can fly him to London. He'd fit right in. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah and you've yeah. also, I mean, your website lists, um, you know, the people that you've worked with. Or, uh, and there's a huge list of like, yeah, a really impressive list of, of synths and things you've done sounds for, uh, yeah. which is incredible. Really incredible. Yeah. There's, uh, it also says um, you've worked with composers like Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. um, tracks with Mariah Carey, Fleetwood Mac, Madonna, Whitney Houston. Yeah. Yeah. What back in the day. What do you like look back on with most pride? Like, or what gave you like the biggest amount of joy when, when you, when you think about what you've done? Oh, there's, there's so many. One of my favorites was the first time I heard one of my uh, big bad beat drum loops on a crystal method track. Oh yeah. I and love I was crystal like, methods. yeah. And I was at a tower music listening to a CD for their tweakend album, which is, just a really cool, one of my favorites of theirs. And it came to this one song. It's like, I'm like, that's my drum loop. Wow. <laughs> and then they build a whole song around it. And I was like, okay, okay. I, I'm happy I did that now. So, yeah, so <laughs> you know, there's a lot of moments like that. It's, it's fun. I've worked on Mariah Carey's Christmas album, which is one of the biggest selling Christmas albums. My bells and little string pads are on her album, you know. Wow. So, all sorts of things. So it's, it's, you know, at this point, I've made so many sounds that are in so many places. I just, I, it doesn't, I, I don't really like keep track of them. And like, I, I don't, I'm not one that does that. I'll, yeah, I'm just happy I get to do what I do and make a living and keep paying my bills and move on to the next day and find new things to support. And, yeah. and you know, it's fun to be inspiration that people feed off from, you know, I made this library for Discover Station and now there's composers all over the world that are calling up these things and finding their way to work with that totally different than I would, you know? And that's 
that's the coolest feeling on the planet. Yeah, I think that be a is part that... of that spark for other people is yeah. And really, really. Do you know empowering. Andrew Hang? Andrew Huang, the YouTuber. Sure. So he does he yeah. does a thing called Four Producers One Sample, and it's like yeah. four people who take the, this like two second sample. Yeah. And they go off on that each of their journeys with it, and I I really love that idea of like when when we do create content for music, um, yeah, that you know that it's going off to like the the Philippines and somebody's doing something yeah. with it there, and it's going off yeah. to like yeah Uruguay and someone there is buying it and putting it in there. Totally track. different. Yeah, when we did the Wave Station back in the day, uh, this is before the internet really took off. Um, we were each sent a wave station and we had about four months to make patches. And then we met in San Jose and we each brought what we had made with the wave station. And Jack Hotop came from New York. Michael Geisel came from Germany. Michele Pachuli came from Italy. I came from the West Coast. Um, Steve McNally came from Canada. Ben Dowling came from Los Angeles. And each person had approached this synthesizer totally differently and had a whole different vocabulary of sounds coming from it. And then it was our job for the next four months to stay in San Jose <laughs> and put that together and turn it into the voicing of the wave station wow. and make it become a homogenous. That's how we used to make synthesizers back in the day is we would each work on the, you know, when the, we work on the T-series or the Triton or the O1W, we would all sit in our studios making sounds and then we would fly to Japan and we would sit in a room and we'd put all the strings together and we would each vote for our favorites and then tally them up and you could stand and argue if you thought your <laughs> string program should be in there if it wasn't selected. My and FM bass needs to go in. Yeah. It must go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think this sound should be in here. This is a sound that's really taking off on this really new garage style of music, you know, or something like that. And they'll be like, oh, that, I hate that. <laughs> I want this guitar, you know. Uh, but that's what made our products for Korg so good is that the voicing was done in a community together. But we started separate where we got to bring out our own personal thing and then bring it together. Now it's they still we still do that to a certain point because we each pro but no longer do we do, get to go to Japan it's all by, you know, Google spreadsheets and votes and, you know, somebody tallies them and goes from there. But it's it was more fun when we got together in Japan. Yeah, I can, you know, I can. Have, a synth would take three or four meetings, you know, so I would love I mean, it, what a, it would be so good to be a fly on the wall in those collections of oh, super talented, like creators. It's who crazy. Are like, I mean, you're obviously supporting each other, you know, and you go, wow, yeah. you made that sound. How did you do that? Like, what did you do with the yeah. modulation section there? Like, what's going on? You yeah. must, that must have been, um, yeah, a really valuable part really of the development like, of the synth as well. Yeah. And it's like, who will have the spark that is what will be the grand piano, you know? And so you play everybody's pianos and everyone plays differently and you'd find the one and then everybody would fine tune it like, well, that decay... I think 77 on the decay is a little better than 75. <laughs> no, no, no. 76. Okay, okay. You know, I'm cool with 76, you know. <laughs> That's so amazing. It was it was it was really cool experiences. So, you know, there's all sorts of levels of, you know, personal your personal voice can be expressed in a synthesizer, it can be expressed with your music. Uh any art form, you know, if you learn your tools. That's one reason why I love the videos that I make. I love to share everything I know because my my whole philosophy is this. If you had the seven most talented architects in the world and they all had these skills, knew everything that there is to know about building a building and you had them build a building for a one square plot, all seven would look different. They would not be the same building, not even close. Hmm. So but they would be incredible buildings. So I want as much of my knowledge to be shared to help other people know what to do and how to the tools so they can further, you know, it just makes their personal voice that much stronger to know what they're doing, you know? Definitely, definitely. And it's so. like the whole human race is like one unif and and the planet really is one unified thing, yeah. isn't oh. it? And we can yeah. we can help lift Small each world. other up in this world, can't yeah. we, you know? Let's unify. Hey! 
it's real funny with this being the political season and you know the elections over and stuff but unify and unity have been big words this it's really like i'm like oh i'm so glad i named this unify <laughs> yeah you did it right you did the good thing it's the been right the right name it's been the right theme for what we need to do as a world you know so great man well i i honestly do think that translates i mean even the fact that you're having different plugins working together is like yeah i mean there's that philosophy running through yeah running through it man. we have to all work together omnis here has to work with serum you know come on we can drop our differences it's not that big of a difference yeah. you know we're all in the same boat so why do you want to try to sink the boat because you're in it too you <laughs> yeah, <know>? exactly exactly <laughs> great well hmm. um yeah it's been fantastic to talk to you john really really enjoyed pleasure it. thank you um, I'm really yeah. impressed. What are you? Uh, do you have any uh, anything upcoming for Unify? Is there anything that's oh many, <laughs> many, 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 many things? Um, you know, we have long term goals of where we want to go. Um, it's kind of like we're building uh, our own. It's kind of a weird. Usually, pe- companies don't do this. They release software. It's fully thought out. If they do updates, it's to like fix it to work with new operating system updates, but it doesn't change. And with Unify, it's all about change. It's all about what can we do next? The first year has been really building the tools that we needed so I could make the libraries I want to make. And we're kind of almost to the our goal. There's still real-time modulation is something that I want to have in Unify. And I have a vision of what it's going to be. And it's going to be insane because I'm looking at modulation as in I'm going to control with one, say, LFO parameters in six different synthesizers simultaneously. I'm not looking at the little inside of a synthesizer modulation. I want something that is on a grander scale. Mm. And so to have that's that's coming in the coming year for Unify. Amazing. We've got all sorts of expansion options, audio outputs, so that especially like for film people, they need to have the strings be to one set of outputs and the brass broken out to different outputs. So we have that coming. There's uh, my second. Well, earlier I released Big Bad Beats for Unify. The second drum loop library that I did, which I personally actually like a little bit more, called Noisebox. I will be coming out for Unify pretty soon. Excellent. And then there's Vital Library. There's a Chill Library. Um, a, a standard programmer that's part of our team named Tim Dale. He has quite a few libraries. His first Unify library is coming pretty soon. All sorts of, you know, never ends. So Fantastic. once we get through this pandemic, I'm planning on um, traveling a lot and building libraries in Iceland, in Europe, spending months in different places and just i'm a photographer too yeah. so i love to do uh things with my, i have a drone i have you know i'm using a really nice camera for even my live stream it's my sony digital slr so i love the image quality and really cool places to go and then let those photos i did this for a library called del norte where i spent time in the redwoods and nice. flew my drone and took pictures and then made the sounds for Del Norte, which is a EDM library with all the, and I go home at night and program on my virus, these really cool pads and record them. Wow. So, you know, I want to do more of those types of projects. Um, I went to Costa Rica and recorded ambiences everywhere I went. Then I came back here and fed the ambiences into my modular synth and used them as convolution sources for pads and made a library called Signs of Life, where all the sounds have, environmental sounds in the sound so it's this really cool violin pad but there's this cool sound of rain in the pad which is coming from rainstorms in costa rica that are recorded wow that's so i want to do more of that kind of cool stuff in the future you know excellent just much as i can travel see stuff so much good stuff Make happening sounds. there man and yeah definitely you i i did check out your photography as well very quickly Oh, like I, I, I like to take photos, but man, you seriously talent. Uh, you yeah. have an amazing talent for it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. beautiful the pictures. It's the same side of your brain that you make sounds is photography. It's it's the composition rules for music are very similar to making sounds, and you know, strong subject, not too busy and cluttered, cool production, good light. You got to have light in a photo. You have to have the right sonic treatment for a song you know the the rules are very very 
it's it's really interesting to see the similarities for different arts that follow the sim similar convictions con conventions for when it's successful i think you know? that's true yeah I, I sometimes do that a little bit when i'm painting i, I sort of see parallels between making music and go oh my god yeah that yeah. all works yeah very much so amazing it's man. very fun well, to, make, to do think make of it that sure, way I, I really hope the crystal method get to hear your noise box and your big bad beats <laughs> too and they go on the next album that they make <laughs> right they haven't released anything lately they got to get back in it so yeah great man well, gotta keep being creative thank you so much for speaking to me it's been really oh, nice my pleasure really Chris. appreciate your time it's been fun thank you Oh, what a great guy John is. Uh, had so much, like, there's so many connections between the two of us, uh, the way that um, his, his sort of career path has been. I love that he worked in that MIDI city. That was just amazing. And um, also that, yeah, he gave away the synth presets that he was making. That's such a forward-thinking idea for the time. And, um, yeah, he's just a great guy. He resonates so much positivity. He brings so much to the music community. Check out his streams and check out Unify is absolutely amazing okay on the show next time we're talking to Dave Spears uh, the man behind one of the first ever MIDI controllers uh, the man behind GeForce software and lots of lots of other really interesting things uh, please donate if you can it'd be very much appreciated uh, thank you very much for listening uh, I do love getting messages from people uh, that they like listening to this uh, look after yourselves and I'll see you again soon